You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 298. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is my favorite way to listen to books the way I listen to my podcasts. If you are looking for a new recommended book that you would be better off listening to than reading page by page, I highly recommend the Paul Selig Book of Mastery. Actually, all of Paul Selig's books are channeled works that are talking about going beyond the mind. And I highly recommend listening because Paul Selig himself, in all of the books except for the first one, The Book of Knowing, is actually the reader of the text as well. So you get to get the energy of his voice. It's not like the Law of Attraction book, which I also recommend if you haven't already tried the Abraham Hicks Law of Attraction book. This one's a little different. It's not just the recordings of her, and in this case, Esther's channeling of Abraham, but this is Paul channeling and then rereading the text. But the frequency of the words as they speak about in the book have so much power in them. And in these cases with channeled work, I personally love hearing the frequency of these words spoken through the people that are the channels themselves. So try it out if you'd like. And right now for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month by going over to audible.com lively or by texting lively to 500-500. Again, you can get three months of Audible if you wanna give this a shot for $6.95 a month by going over to audible.com lively or texting the word lively to 500-500. In addition, we also have FreshBooks, our other wonderful sponsor. I love using FreshBooks bookkeeping software. And funny enough, I'm actually on my way to go to a new accountant here in Michigan, literally after recording this introduction. And I am so excited to work with him because I kind of knew he was like the right guy for me to work with because when I told him, as he asked about bookkeeping software, what I was using, I said, I use FreshBooks. And he said, oh, he loves working with people that use FreshBooks. So I was like, all right, I think we're gonna get along. I think he is in the new age of you know the internet, the online entrepreneurship and being in a place where it's really serving the ease and the automation and kind of almost the social media aspects of keeping things super simple, like Instagram, using my bookkeeping software at FreshBooks, it's just that simple. It's like using Instagram, only I'm doing invoicing and expenses and all the rest of the things that are needed to run our company smoothly. If you guys wanna give it a shot for 30 days for free, you can go do so and see if you like it as much as I do over at freshbooks.com lively. Now for where I am, I am in Detroit. Like I said, in a half hour, I'm off to go meet an accountant that loves fresh books. And I have also just wrapped up last yesterday and the days before with Megan and Clay, a part of our team Lively, about a Lively Adventure year two. So we've just recorded those here in Detroit and now we'll be getting those to Joe to have him produce them, turn them into our audio series, and then you'll be able to listen to all sorts of things that I haven't shared in detail here on the show before, like what my Tony Robbins date with Destiny experience was like, and so much more. In today's episode, moving on, we have another client session, and this one's fun. This is a one I think that a lot of Law of Attraction season four people may be able to relate to. Chloe Sedaney Benson is someone who flowed in her career really, really well for several years and has now created a thriving career based on her ability to flow. And at the same time, her mind has started in the more recent months and years to interject, to try to control, to try to find an organized structure or know when to say no to opportunities because by flowing so well, so much has opened up for her and now she's trying to figure out what the next steps look like for her. 
So in this one, we're going to discuss how to have an organized structure, how to have flow, how to let the mind stop controlling things, when to say no to opportunities, and get back to that beyond the mind flow, which you found a few years ago. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much for working with me today. No, I'm just, I'm so excited to chat with you. I've literally been, I think, following you since you had like 15 podcast episodes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's quite a, that was like 300 episodes ago. (laughs) Yes, for a very long time. I actually did your Life with Intention course too, like probably like three years ago. How did it go? Did you like it? It was good. Yeah, no, it was really good. I think I've really just been trying to sort of, you know, just like think about how I'm actively being intentional about just, you know, not always letting my mind control things, but letting my gut control things. So that's been very helpful kind of over the years. Yeah, I feel like it's led me some places. So uh, I'm sure we can kind of get into that too. But it's been great. That's fantastic. Well, what's on the mind today? What's the resistance or situation the mind is chewing on that we can help digest a little bit better? I think that the main thing for me right now is I'm, I have my own business and right now I'm, I'm juggling actually two businesses um, and I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed with time and just how to sort of balance everything. And I, am, I constantly am telling myself, okay, how do I sort of organize these thoughts and like just slow down and find a balance with everything? I'm always feeling like I'm juggling and I'm kind of wondering if that's a resistance that I'm sort of facing or what's actually causing that and why I just can't take on less or can't kind of like balance things better. Yeah. All right. So if we had a magic wand, this is actually something that Marissa does do in RTT training. If we had a magic wand and we could kind of create a transformation for you, what would the end of this session look like? I think creating a, just a really organized sort of structure maybe for my day and for just for the way I'm waking up every day and kind of starting my day-to-day life and just creating something that feels more balanced. Okay. All right. So have you done any inner voice work with yourself so far? I've been trying to. I definitely try to. I do try to kind of sit down and write my intuition and and I try to really think to my intuition. I mean, I think I've been listening to your your podcast for so long that I, I sort of get kind of what it's about. And I sort of think I understand how to tune into it, but it's just maybe I'm not listening to that voice all the time. I'm kind of turning it off or something. Yeah. Well, the fact that you want an organized structure, which is totally a very normal thing in humanity. It's very normal to want to have an organized structure. Most of our humanity and our society is structured on organized structures, or we think we are. They're constantly decaying, though, and new ones are being reborn. And the ultimate truth is we don't really need them, but the mind feels better and safer with them. But it's just actually a facade. The only reason they're actually organized or structures is because we continue to follow them, but inherently in and of themselves, they don't mean anything. They're just stories we're telling. Like we tell stories to ourselves that we should brush our teeth in the morning, in the evening. So most humans on the planet, as Richard Feynman said, if you think about following the sun, you could follow the sun if you were able to see from a special perspective, you could see humans in all these different little houses brushing their teeth as the sun moves across the earth. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a story. And so what you're saying is, I want to know what my human behavior based on something like the sun moving across the earth should be. But really, it's not needed, do you see, from that really high vantage point. It just feels safer to the mind, and it feels like it has more control. And interestingly, right now in our society, there's so much happening that's against the feeling of control. 
with shootings and political stuff and the weather that's going very wildly changing in many parts of the world. Those structures that seemed safe aren't seeming so safe anymore. Mm -hmm. But they were never actually safe to begin with. It was just everyone followed things in a more predictable way. Yeah, I am a little bit controlling with my life in general. Okay, well, here we go. Let's take a little moment right there, okay? Just because we can be honest and open and, and vulnerable, but we don't have to be unfair to you. So there's two parts of you. There's the I am, and then there's the part that controls. But the I am is not the controlling part. So when you said, I am controlling, that's actually not really fair because the I am, the consciousness that you are, that I believe the inner voice is connected to, is not controlling in the way that the controlling part of you is controlling. So the mind that's within you is the thing doing the controlling. The I am is not. Or the I am is controlling it at a different level than actually what the mind is doing. And sometimes those are at odds where the mind's trying to control in one direction and the I am and the inner voice is trying to go in another. And that is where a lot of discontent and frustration comes in because you're going upstream every time you go against the I am. So the I am is the one that's going with the river of life and is trying to carry you to everything that you want, seek or desire, which is all season four lively show. Yeah. Okay, so when you say I am controlling, let's just be fair for yourself. You are not controlling. The I am that you are is not controlling. It's just I have a mind that really likes to control things. When you say that, does anything feel different about I have a mind that really likes to control things versus I am controlling? Yeah, it does feel different. Why do you think it feels different or how does it feel different? Because I know that deep down I yearn for things to be simple and things to flow. And, and I have found points in my life where things really have been flowing. And I think lately my life has really felt like it's been flowing and it's been happening in a really beautiful way without too much force and too much control. But I think that, I don't know, it's just hard reminding myself of that. Okay, here we go. Wonderful. I love this. And I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to help you with this, right? You just said, and it's hard for me. What that is, is the attachment of the awareness to the mind. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to try, and we'll do this through this call, but hopefully anyone else that may be listening to this eventually also can do the same. Stop taking so much responsibility for the mind in yourself. By that, I mean identification with it. So responsibility being this is who I am, this is how I am. No, this is just an organ in your body. Like your fingernails, they grow, right? The mind thinks and it tries to find safety in controlling the future it can't do. It's just like a beating heart. Your heart is beating. But you're not identified with the heart beating in the way that you're identifying right now as the awareness attached to the mind. So yes, you have a beating heart, but you're not overly identified with that. But whenever you have this organ that's called the mind thinking, you're assuming that's how you feel entirely. But it's not true because you even just said, deep down, I know I want things to feel simple and easy. Deep down. So deeper then the mind organ that's pumping and thinking and firing, there's another contrasting desire that is also a part and connected to your awareness. So the great thing is the more we can see these little moments where we slip into identification with the mind, we feel pretty powerless because we think we are the mind in that case. Instead of just going, man, this muscle, it's like thinking we are our bicep. 
or we are our fingernails. Do we have fingernails? Yes. Do we have biceps? Absolutely. Do we have a beating heart? 100%. But we're not completely identified with any single organ except the mind, right? It's a part of who you are, but it's not the only part of who you are. Yeah. And I know this. Yes. And when you say no, you didn't say think this right? Because knowing is that deeper, deep down, everything should be beautiful. That's the inner voice. That's the I am. And then there's the thinking organ that's just loud, like a fire hydrant. You remember this from Life with Intention, the fire hydrant versus the well of wisdom. I like to say for anyone that might be listening to this, the ego feels like a fire hydrant. That's how literally I described it in myself, like a fire hydrant in my ear spewing at me 24-7. But the deep down, like you said, well of wisdom was in my chest or my stomach. And it also had a point of view, but it was a different point of view than the fire hydrant. And the thoughts were water in both cases, in the fire hydrant or in the well. And the difference is you can lower a bucket into the well to receive the answers from that well, but the well's not going to spew at you. At most, the well will overflow, which creates a steady feeling of misalignment, but it's not the threatening, sporadic, frenetic, frantic feeling of the ego when you're in disharmony with it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. So I think because I've been feeling like my life has been flowing and I've been kind of living my life from this place of intuition, kind of just through the course of what I've learned, honestly, through your podcast, I really feel like I've been living that way and I've seen things flowing and I've seen things happening in a way that feel very easy and, and just natural and I'm not forcing anything. And I think that maybe I've kind of been living off of this high from that, you know, like it feels really like it's felt really amazing. And I think maybe this control is coming back in because I'm, I'm almost afraid of losing that feeling. Ooh, that could be partly what it's tied to. It's like, I've been feeling like I've been in this really good place and, and things have been flowing. And so now it's sort of just like, what do I do to keep that? Or like, maybe there's like this weird fear coming in of, of I'm afraid of losing that, or I'm afraid of making the wrong decision. And just really losing that, losing whatever this flow that's built up in my life. Yes. Okay. All right. Beautiful. So this is the mind doing its mindly thing. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just doing its job, but its job is not really useful most of the time. It's taking on too much. Every human's mind, unless they're in is taking on far too much than what it's actually even capable of doing. It's pretty good. I mean, it's a focusing mechanism. Can I summarize and tell me if this is how it feels? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the mind has had the audacity to try this other way for a little while. How long did you say it's been, you've been feeling that flow high? I think honestly for probably, probably about two years. When did the control start creeping in? That fear of, uh, you know, I need to get this structure nailed down. I think really maybe in the last few months, because I think I've been feeling just overwhelmed. Like I'm almost getting, the flow has almost opened up too much that's coming in. Ah, okay. I literally feel like I'm balancing like 12 things right now. And, and I think it's maybe me not being able to say no to certain things and just kind of like almost being too open to sort of every opportunity that comes my way and, and just feeling maybe not being able to say no or, or sort of turn off certain things. Beautiful. So to summarize and see if this is how it's feeling for the mind. So does the mind resonate with this? So it had the audacity to try this flow thing for the last two years. And in the present moment two years ago, and pretty much for the most part ever since, it kept an open mind 
open mind, right? Not closing it off to this is the way it's got to be. It was open to the flow. Open mind, open to the flow, open to the beauty, open to the ease, open to these things, not closing. Then a few months ago, the mind's like, okay, I got a pretty good track record going. The river's moving pretty fast. I'm flowing in it pretty well. But what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden, it started to look, instead of at the past and in the present where it was in alignment, and each moment was in the river in that moment, choosing in the aligned way of that moment. But now you kind of, the mind can reflect back on those previous points of now moments in time. And so, okay, this would be pretty good, but what's going to happen next? Instead of looking in the now or looking in the past positive experiences that you had, it's starting to project forward and it's trying to control the forward motion, which it wasn't as focused on before. Before it was more in the moment and it was like, okay, it's going pretty good so far, pretty good so far, pretty good so far for two years, pretty good so far. And then it said, well, what's going to happen next? And that's where it closed its mind. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. You're hitting it right on. (laughs) Well, and it's not because I'm like a mind reader to you. I'm a mind reader of minds because it's an organ. It's like me saying to you, two years ago, your heart pumped and your heart pumped and your heart pumped and your heart pumped and now it's still pumping. And you're like, yeah, you nailed it. That's because that's what a heart does. Unless you're dead, it's pumping in some fashion or another, right? So it's not you. Does this make sense? Like, it's not personal. It's in you, just like your heart is personally in you, but my heart's in me and it's doing the same damn thing, right? Nothing wrong with it. But the only thing that gets us trapped in the feeling of helplessness is when we are so identified with the mind's thoughts, just like the heart pumping, we can't tell that we have an option to not engage with it or to not identify with it. And when we see that, then we have choice. Then we have real power because we have the power to choose something other than what we're thinking. Yeah. When you think you're the thoughts, you think you have to do the thing you think. If I think a thought, if I perceive a thought that's like, I want to eat more cookies, right? And I was binge eating like years ago. Okay. Then I would go eat the cookies thinking I had that thought. Therefore, I must go eat the cookies like a little like zombie following the thoughts all over the place. We can have a thought and not follow it. Have you ever had like those wild thoughts where you're like in a board meeting and you're like, I could just like jump on the table right now and dance or like slap someone on the face or like I could do something wild right now. But if it's just a thought and you don't end up doing it. Yeah, you just quickly turn it off. But it's like, why are some thoughts stronger than others or just kind of keep sort of bugging you when you don't necessarily want to listen to them or, you know, want to run in your life? It's a bit of hypnosis in the society. It's a bit of mass consciousness. There are certain thoughts that are wild, like jumping on the table and slapping the boss in the face, right? So we're like, okay, that's not what I'm going to do. Or you have this weird, like, desire to, like, jump off a bridge, like, as you're driving down, you know, a bridge. Like, you're not actually going to do that stuff. But these wild thoughts will sometimes come in and we, like, reject those. And we go, well, that's a stupid thought. But then there are so many thoughts, like brushing our teeth with the sun, that don't really need to be there. They're just ingrained and habituated to the point we don't realize it's a choice. So when we say we want to have an organized structure, I'm not against that at all, but we want to make sure whatever that structure is, is coming in the present moment 
not in a past moment projected onto your now because it's going to limit you to the past rather than your potential and your now and your future that would be best served by you living in the now. So can I give you an example of this? Yeah. Yeah, please. Okay. So I just joined WeWork. You're the first person I'm recording a podcast with in the WeWork here in Detroit. Previous to this, you guys have followed my Instagram stories. You know, I like to go to cafes and I like to sit in the and read and I like to do my alignment time and I like to do X, Y, and Z things. And I've never had a co-working place and I like to not work a lot. Like those have all been things that have been aligning for me previously. I got here and then I had like a few different situations come about and I kind of found myself being alone and having this completely empty apartment. I just got a mattress yesterday and I have two stools and now I have a treadmill that also came yesterday. So I have two stools, a treadmill and an air mattress that now I have a real mattress. No other pieces of furniture are arriving anytime soon or a dining table today, but no chairs for it. So I had nowhere to go and nowhere to spend time with because the person that I was dating and I have become friends and have not are not continuing that, at least for the time being. So I was like, well, crap, I didn't find a cafe that I loved going to. And I didn't have a person to spend time with all the time anymore. So I had to decide to do something new. But if I had an organized structure, that would be how I was in the past. And I wouldn't have flowed and adapted to the present. So now I've joined this WeWork. And it's amazing because it gives me a place to go that has furniture (laughs) and people around which are two things that are really filling me up right now. So I'm really glad. And also I'm allowing my schedule for the first time in years to be filled with meetings and calls. And I have noticed the mind in me have a lot of fear around that because I don't want to get stuck into old, habituated human mass consciousness thought patterns around time and busyness. But at the same time, I've recognized, wait, avoiding that filling up my time is not serving me as much as allowing it to be filled right now in choice. So that organized structure I could have made for myself or I sort of in some level or fashion did make for myself wasn't actually serving me anymore. And I'm really glad I didn't stay so stuck in what I perceived to be true. And I'm glad I adapted and evolved to find something new that was true for me now. That's true for me now. That's true for me now. So my organized structure, if you will, is what's true for me now. And the same can be true for you. Or it can look like I've got to pre-plan every single day of my life. Mm-hmm. The funny part is that's like not me at all. Like, I, I mean, I, I do like to plan. I love thinking about the future and I love, you know, kind of dreaming up ideas. But I'm also not somebody that I like to be spontaneous. I like to be kind of free-spirited. That recently I've just been kind of grasping onto this idea of, of like kind of controlling time and being, you know, organizing my schedule and, and trying to like find structure. It's trying to project a lot of future conclusions, which is just control and it's trying to keep you safe. It's like there's a lot of stuff coming. How am I going to keep her safe and all this stuff coming? Okay, close it down, lock it down, solidify it, figure it out. But then you're just kind of coloring in the lines of this like coloring book you've made for yourself every single day. You're not actually being creative. You're coloring in the lines that your mind created like four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, as a creative person, does that seem as fun as like, what do I want to create today and just letting things unfold? Or do you feel like coloring in the lines of a pre-planned thing? No, ideal scenario, I would wake up in the morning, I would, you know, just kind of like, make coffee or spend a few minutes meditating and, and kind of sit down and just think, you know, what is the intention I have for today? Like, 
how do I want today to feel? I mean, that would be an ideal scenario. That would be the structure, I guess, would just be asking that question. And then however that leads and sort of manifest in my day, I would just kind of let it happen. And, but I just think maybe these like to-do lists are just (laughs) taking over things right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So let's go in. We've talked a lot around the problem, but we haven't dived into the solution right now. We're going to. So heart or gut feeler? I would say heart. I mean, I think that sometimes negative feelings come from my gut, but I think I'm more of a heart person. Okay. We're just looking for peaceful sense that you can feel into. Yeah. I would say heart. Okay. All right. So you're going to pay attention to your chest. You can close your eyes if you want to. You can take a few deep breaths, relax your shoulders. There's no need to be tense and tight in your body. And we're going to ask a few questions. We're asking the inner voice, why does the mind want to control right now? Because of fear. What is it afraid of? Losing control. Is it losing control? No. Why not? Uh, Because I'm not in control anyways. Why is it worried about losing control? I don't know. Maybe I don't hear anything. Just pause. Deep breath. I like that you said I don't hear anything because I don't know. Of course your mind doesn't know. I'm asking a question that's at a level that's not in the mind. The mind will not answer that question. It can't. If it did, it wouldn't have the problem it has. So why is the mind worried? Just listen. Give it a pause. You can still say you hear nothing. That's fine. But give it an open mind. Why is the mind worried about control? Fear. Of what? Keep an open mind. Just deep breath. Failure. What could it fail at? Life. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Don't say I don't know. Just tell me the words you hear. You're gone now. The mind is not a part of this. I don't need a commentary from it. I just want to get the direct conversation from me to the inner voice, okay? Because this is where you're going to really, you're going to reach deep down more than the mind has allowed before. So you just got to like let it go away so I can do the, the digging with it. All right. Can it fail at life? No. Why not? There is no failure. There is no failure. Is that true? Inner voice? Yes. Why can't I fail? The mind thinks that she can fail. Failure doesn't exist. What does exist? Joy. Yeah. Can't she ever do it wrong? Uh, yeah. What would wrong be? Mm, not following joy. That's what you heard? I think so. <laughs> did I hear that or did I think that? Here, maybe ask again. Can I do things wrong? Can the mind do things wrong? The mind, yes, but not the heart. Tell me the words you heard directly. I don't want the mind guessing what the answers are here. That's not getting us anywhere. What are you hearing? Can she do this wrong? No. Okay. Do you notice how that's a different answer than what you said before? Mm-hmm. All right. Now I'm going to bring you, Chloe back in. Why did you think you heard a yes And now you're saying you heard a no. What just happened there? Just as a human, like you can actually just say everything. I I think my mind was answering out of my gut or my heart. Yeah. Everyone listening would want to be aware. You're not trying to like be a little motorcycle speeding over the questions going, oh, I know this one. I know this one. I know this one as the mind. Because it's not going to lead you to a solution beyond what the mind understands. Does that make sense? It's like when your parents are telling you something, you're like, yeah, 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 I get it, mom. (laughs) That's not really listening. But like we got to really listen to get the answer that's beyond the mind's ability to accept. So the mind accepted it could do it wrong, but the deeper answer was not the same. 
that's real inquiry. That's real revelation. Like your mind is now changing its perception or at least its awareness of reality at the level of itself. Because before it said yes, but you just heard no. And when we hear that, most people want to shut down and go, I don't understand that. And I'm like, that's the time to ask 10 more questions. Because now you're going to learn something. You can learn something from the deeper part of yourself. You don't need any person. You don't need Jess Lively or Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or Oprah Winfrey or, you know, Eckhart Tolle. You don't need anyone else to learn from. But you're not going to learn from the egoic mind. That's just going to repeat its old patterns. Like it thinks it can do things wrong. So you're doing great. And I love that we just had that little moment because I think a lot of people tend to do that. A lot of minds tend to speed over the things because it's kind of like I've heard this before. I've learned this from someone else saying it. So I know this is the answer to this question. But that's based on the perception of other minds or even spiritual teachers. Like you could have said it, no, you can't do anything wrong. But if you didn't go deeper into yourself, you're not really going to solve the root part in yourself that's stuck on this for right now. So let's go deeper. So I can't do things wrong? No. Okay. Why does my mind think that I can? Control. Control. So if it's not controlling, it could do it wrong, it thinks. Mm-hmm. But I can never do it wrong. Right. How is that possible? Mm. Just listen. Don't think. Receive. Deep breath. Like, don't try very hard. Just listen. Openly. Easily. I just hear I can't do it wrong. Can't do it wrong. What would you like me to do with my schedule? Relax. I could be getting this one a lot myself too. Relax has been a very common theme. So (laughs) this is what I'm learning too. When you get a phrase, like if you guys do this and you find that you get a lot of the same answer and you think you know what it is, like I get a lot of times, don't try, don't try, don't try, or something like relax. Ask what that means. Because I got don't try for like, I don't know, 200, 300 answers <laughs> recently. And I finally asked, well, what does not trying look like? And it said, don't determine the outcome. And I was like, whoa, the mind of me did not know that's what not trying meant. My mind thought not trying is don't take action, don't take action, don't take action. Because trying felt like, well, if I'm trying, I'm doing something, right? So don't do anything. But then when I actually asked about what does that mean and I asked it to define its definition of that word, it was not the definition my mind understood. So then it was like, whoa, it's not telling me not to take action. It's telling me not to even think about what the outcome should be, whether I take an action or not. It's asking me not to choose what I think I want. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's not trying. But I thought it was don't do anything. It was like, don't even think about what you want, which makes season four people go crazy. (laughs) But that's where the resistance lives, is when we are so attached to what we think we want, we can't be open to what is right now. And then we get resistance to it. And then we just get kind of stuck and stalled, you know, in the whole law of attraction mind game. So let's ask for you, what does your inner voice mean when it says relax? What does relax mean? Loosen grip. Loosen grip. Ooh, beautiful. How do I do that? 
You did a great job listening there. That was real inner voice, loose and grip. That sounds very, like, very inner voicey. Not a lot of words, but says exactly what it needed to say. I don't hear anything. Okay. So I need to loosen my grip on what? What can the mind loosen its grip on? Everything. Everything. Does it need to have a tight grip on anything? No. Nothing? Nothing. Okay. Now I'm, I'm interviewing the mind. Mind, what do you want to grip most onto? <laughs> what do you think? What's your resistance to that? What area do you think you need to grip onto? I don't know. Career, money. Career. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. Inner voice. Do I need to grip onto money? No. Career. No. How do I know I'm going to be safe and I'm going to have money and have a career if I don't grip onto it? It'll flow. It'll flow. Yeah. Grip's not flowing. It's like holding onto a rope. It's going through your hands and you're gripping onto it. Like it's going to burn your hands. Right. It's like it does the exact opposite almost. <laughs> it does. You're going upstream. It's trying to pull you and guide you. And if you're holding on so firmly and you're digging your heels in the ground and you're holding, you're doing a tug of war with it. It's like, I'm trying to take you there. And you're like, no, I need to hold on to this so tightly. And it's literally going to like the rope and those fibers are gonna, just going to tear your hands apart. And it's just like, just let go. It'll take you somewhere new. And that's unfortunately for the mind what it fears the most is just something new. Mm -hmm. It's not predetermining most of the time. Let's ask yours. Inner voice, do you want me to think about what I want? No. Why not? Because it could have said yes. Like this answer may be different for different people. But let's ask for you. It's right for you, right? Isn't that great to know? Because you've how many people have you heard, even me in season four, say, think about what you want and visualize it and all that stuff. You just heard in yourself, that's not aligned for you. Mm-hmm. But that could be a yes to other people or yourself at a different point in the past or in the future. You know, at another point in time, it might have told you a different answer. Mm -hmm. So this is where this is, again, you can learn from yourself. No one has anything more wise to teach you than this voice. But you got to make sure the mind's not just going through the motions and pretending to answer what it thinks it should hear, because that's not the real inquiry. Okay. Why shouldn't I think about what I want? You have it. I have what? What I want. But okay, if I have it, why shouldn't I think about it? Because it's here. Mm -hmm. If I already have what I want, why should I not think about it? Don't need to. Don't need to. Why don't I need to? It's right here in front of me. Can't I think about it because it's here? Mm. It's kind of like breathing. We don't think about the air. It's just here. When you really have it, you don't have to think about it. Yeah. I used to do rampages of appreciation and appreciate everything I have. Now I don't. I kiss things a lot, though. <laughs> but I don't think about them. So I can appreciate without thought. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you can appreciate things without thinking about them. Yeah, and that's almost, I think, when you're kind of in this state of, you know, kind of like pure joy, it's more of a feeling and it's less of a thought. Yeah, little babies and puppies aren't thinking very much. They're just perceiving and they're feeling. And we love being around them because they're that pure connection to that state of being. And they kiss things a lot too. I love watching Instagram discover puppies. Like, oh my goodness. Like they just kiss everything. They kiss people. The babies do the same. They're not thinking. Mm -hmm. But we're not regressing to the childlike state. We're progressing to a mind's less oriented state. Because here, let's ask this. Inner voice, should I ever think or should the mind ever think? Yes. 
Yes. Okay, good. That's what I expected. All right. When should it think? When it needs to. When should it not think? Let's ask that. When inner wisdom can guide. Did you hear those words? Yeah. How did it feel to hear that whole phrase? That's a longer phrase than you've been hearing before. Felt good. That's good. You might be opening the mind a bit more to get those longer runs. So let them come if they do. They don't need to. They can, it can do one word answers and we can get an entire like book of wisdom out of one word answers. But you can also get those longer runs as well. So be open to that too. Either way, it's fine. Whether it's one or a phrase, like either way is great. Okay. When will I know when it's time for the inner wisdom to guide me? Feeling. Feeling. What will I feel? Knowing. What will I know? Answer. I'll know the answer to a topic in my life. Mm-hmm. Should I ask for answers? Yes. Yeah. So should I ask for answers here and then if I don't get them, think? Or, or will you tell me when to think? Yeah. How about that? Is there anything I should think about right now? No. No. If I choose to not activate the thinking part of me in my career right now, and I don't choose to think about the no's and the yeses and staying open or structures, will I be okay? Yes. Will I be safe? Yes. Will I be loved? Yes. Will I like the outcomes that come next? Yes. Why will I like that? Because I won't know and I won't be planning and I won't be preparing. How can I know I'll be okay and I'll like it? Because that's what the mind really wants, right? <laughs> it wants to like it and it wants to know it's going to be okay. It'll work out. It'll work out. Are things always working out for me? Yes. How does my mind ever know that's true? Feeling. What is it able to feel? Or what am I able to feel? Peace. Peace. Can I feel peace in any moment? Yes. How can I get to peace when the mind's freaking out and feeling scared? Because I'm going to feel the emotions and the neural peptides of the fear. How can I get to peace while I'm feeling all that fear too? Just sit. Sit. That's beautiful. That's an interesting one I love asking because I've done this with many clients and the inner voice will give different guidance on that one. Some will say breathe. You got sit. I guess I also heard still kind of. Yeah. You know what I've been doing more and more? I've been watching the mind and me freak out about stuff. And I'm getting to this moment and like ability to just stop. And I just look around and I'm like, there's nothing falling from the ceiling or the sky. Like there's no bombs going off around me. <laughs> like I'm just sitting in a podcast room right now. The mind might be in a storm in its head, but what I'm actually in is calm mm -hmm. and peaceful. We're just in a room most of the time. Something's going on and we're just in a room. Well, how do you stop yourself? I mean, how, like when you notice that your mind is, you know, trying to control or like, what is the first thing you do? Just kind of like stop. Compassion. Compassion is the first thing I do. I notice what it's doing and what it's feeling. And I feel epic compassion for myself, for the mind and myself. Yeah, that's a good thing to remember. I used to say it's kind of like the handoff. If you're like in a relay race and you want to hand off, like the ego is like got the grip of your awareness. So basically think of yourself, I've been using this bobblehead analogy. Think of your awareness as a spring in the middle of your neck. And so your awareness, your I am is there and your inner voice is down in your chest or someone's other people feel it in their stomachs, right? So there's like that direction. It can bobble down 
the awareness, or it can bobble up into the head, into the brain. So the awareness is bobbling back and forth between both sectors, if you will, up and down, up and down. And when we get kind of locked in the upward direction, that's when we're thinking the thoughts, they're firing and we identify with them. We say the I am is the thoughts, we're listening to them and we're feeling all of the flood of emotions that come with the thoughts in the head. So I give myself epic compassion when I notice that. And the minute I give the compassion and I say, God, this is hard sometimes. I know this stuff and I've done this for so long and here I am still worried about what's gonna happen next. Are you kidding me? I get here and I have a blissful month with someone and then one conversation that we realize we need to like grow through like ends it. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Here I am again. And like I had all of this stuff planned in my head about what this is going to be and mean for us. And that might not happen. Are you kidding? And now you're just telling me don't try. God, this is hard. I've been doing this for a long time. This is all the mind, but it's, it's kind of in a way it's recognizing what it's feeling. And it's sometimes a little complaining, but I still even have compassion for that. Of course that's hard for the mind. Of course it is. And even just saying, of course this is hard, that's cutting the tension, right? Of course it hurts when I'm holding onto that rope. And of course my hands are blistered. And I have compassion for the blistered hands that are not loosening the grip. And then it's like the handoff. It's kind of like, slowing the control and slowing the momentum up top. And so the head starts to bobble down. It's like the handoff between the ego getting wrapped up as the identity and the I am and going back down into the inner wisdom is that compassion. That's the handoff of the baton. Again, if we use, I love all my analogies because it just gives me a way of conceptualizing this in the mind. The handoff, the baton is your awareness. It's like the middle spring in your bobblehead analogy, whichever one works for you. You know, it's that handoff though. And then you're identified with the other part, but that compassion is the bridge. You are still in a human body. You still have a human mind firing on all cylinders and you're building awareness of a part of you that's not confined by the mind or time. And it's telling you you're fine, but the mind's still trapped in time. That's its only ability to focus is in the perception of time, but your inner voice is not confined by time. So it's kind of looking from a huge vantage point saying you're gonna be fine because I'm living in all moments of your time. Let's ask this, do I always exist? Yes. Yeah, right? Every inner voice has always said that answer. Like I've never gotten a contrasting answer to that from anyone. So it's saying, guess what? No matter what your mind in this lifetime is going through, you, the awareness that you are, are never not going to exist. So how could it possibly ever actually be bad? Because even if you die, it's not upset by that because you don't stop existing. But the mind does stop existing as that persona, as that character we're playing. So it's literally life-threatening to a mind because the mind is in a life that will die. But the awareness we are is never is in a timeless realm that has had many lifetimes and never dies. So it's like, just relax, loosen your grip. I got some fun stuff coming for you if you just let me do it. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of curious. I mean, I think on your show, you know, you've talked so much about manifesting. And I guess I wonder if in some sense, like trying to manifest things is sort of trying to have control or trying to, I mean, I, I don't think it is. I think it's a separate thing. Maybe it's almost that. It's like I'm trying to manifest too much or something for myself and for the future. 
let's ask right now. Am I trying to manifest too much for myself right now? Yes. Okay. All right. Good. See, this is great, right? Because we don't have to sit here and like Jess and Chloe go over this in the minds of Jess and Chloe. Screw that. We have the best Dr. Phil that exists on the planet for you right here. Never on vacation, never charging you a dime. So what should I stop trying to manifest? The future. That's kind of all-encompassing inner voice. (laughs) This isn't like having kids or getting married or this job. It just said the future, which is everything. Anything we could possibly say would fall in the realm of the future. Why should I stop trying to manifest the future? You just don't need to. Why not? I thought that's what I'm here for. I'm in the body. I'm in the physical realm. Isn't this like the manifestations of playing in the Play-Doh? Isn't that what we're here for? No, it's already rolling. It's already... Good job. That's great. You're doing a great job. Do you feel any difference as you're listening? You seem much more open focus than closed focus on the words. Yeah, I feel more calm. Like I feel very calm and relaxed right now. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is after this session, I'm starting to have to like give issue warnings out based on feedback from people. I've never done these two hour sessions until recently, right? So very rarely have any humans ever done this. But what you're doing is slowing your brain state from beta brainwave. We talk about this in C-School. You're going from beta brain, which is a pretty high cycling per second, and anxiety is like high beta, which is even higher than that. You're cycling all the way down to alpha theta, and I'm keeping you there for a sustained period of time. Sure, you pump out of it a bit as I talk with you, but then you go back down, and I make you go back down. I'm bobbling your head down more than it's probably ever gone before for longer. And as people have told me in the sessions later, they're like, oh my God, like I like couldn't, people were like, what's great with you? Like what, what's going on with you? You seem so great and calm and all these things after these sessions. But I also feel like sometimes it's like, maybe these people shouldn't be driving really quickly after this, like their brain's so chill and is then beautiful place. They are in a beautiful state. This sustains for longer. It's like an afterglow. You're finally relaxing the mind right now. The mind in its thinking logic mode is beta, but we're getting it out of that for longer than it may have ever been before without meditation being a part of it. Yeah, it's in some sense, you're kind of doing a meditation. Right now, you are. Well, you're in the same state. So alpha, theta is where you go in meditation. So you're literally in the same brain state, but you're actively aware and receiving answers. What I love about this, Christianity has spoken about this, but it's kind of been lost in the shuffle in more recent decades and millennia. Prayer. They heard answers. You are too. People just forgot to know that they could hear. And all I'm doing Every spiritual teaching speaks to this idea. I'm just shutting people up and making them do it instead of listening to Abraham or any other person doing it. I'm making the average person do it. And instead of looking at me or any other guest in a chair as the expert on anything or like they're the ones with the divine connection, no spiritual teachings say that only one person has a divine connection. The Holy Spirit in the Christian faith is speaking to this, I believe. It's in everyone. And I just want everyone to stop looking outside and do it. But I'm not just saying that. I'm shutting up Chloe's mind or anyone else that will get in this hot seat and go, look, it's there. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? It feels good. Yeah, right? Okay, also what's happening in your body, because I loved all this stuff from the studying phase, you're in heart-brain coherence. So when you're in that logical anxiety thinking mode, whether it's just like day-to-day operations or in that anxious mode, often your brain and your heart waves get incoherent. 
or decoherent. And there's this discoherence that's going on. And it's kind of to some level of either okay to like really out of homeostasis and out of like into that fight or flight response. And when you're doing that, your body and brain is shutting down. It's fearing. And the difference is between like a deer, a deer is in like this mode you're in most of the time. If there's a car coming or if there's an animal or a hunter coming at it, it will run and it will, you know, spring into action and it'll go into that fight or flight response when necessary. But then it goes back down to this. The difference is humans, when we're being operated, that I am, that spring is totally locked up into the head. We're not getting out of that state. The enlightened state is to stop being so locked into one perception of this reality so that we can have this other piece of ourselves as our core. So it's like what's going to happen over time as people become enlightened is their heads are going to drop down. Their awareness, right? The bobble head. They're going to bobble down. And instead of the bobble traditionally being set to like the upward setting where it's facing up into the head, it's going to be facing down into the body, into these feelings and these knowings that you're experiencing. And every now and then when it needs to, it'll go up and think. And then it'll go back down because it doesn't need to think anymore. And it'll stay down unless on the occasions it needs to come up. Right now we're in the opposite orientation. Our settings are up and we sometimes remember out of stressful situations to bobble back down. And then we go back up and we stay up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong. Give yourself compassion when the, the hinge gets rusty and you find yourself for days or weeks at a time stuck in the up, up in the head, up in the mind, up in the fear. You go, of course it's hard right now. That's okay. This is humanity discovering itself. And thank God we are aware now that we have this other part of us and that we can start doing it because it's loving us and telling us it's going to be okay in a way that no one else has any authority to really do. They can say it and we can choose to believe it in the mind and the mind loves to look at other people for answers, but there's nothing more true for you than what you're hearing in you. What are you experiencing right now? I just feel at peace. I mean, I find sort of my mind coming back in every so often as you're talking, but for the most part, I think I feel pretty, pretty calm and relaxed. Inner voice, is this how you'd like me to live my days? Yes. <laughs> if I live my days more in this way, what would happen? Things would flow. Flow. How can I stay more like this feeling day to day? Pause. Pause. What does pausing look like for me? Just feeling. You're doing so good. Okay, now with all of this said, and you're in a really, really beautifully calm, sur- like surrendered. This when they say surrender, it's like, we got this, mm-hmm. right? You're, I think from like, this is thinking mind of Jess, trying to understand what some of the enlightened people are alluding to, Eckhart especially. And he talks about kind of, this, is, this like goes, my mind does not like this. <laughs> but what I think we're going to realize based on what he says is eventually we're going to realize that life is moving through us and we don't have nearly the that control that we think we do. And I remember someone actually, I watched a video of him recently and someone asked, uh, do we have free will or is it predetermined? And he said it both are true. 
Like in the now, you have choice and you have free will. But in nonlinear time, it's already existing. Mm-hmm. So in this moment, you have choice. And in the nonlinear perception, it all exists all at once mm-hmm. in the now. So you do and you don't, depending on which lens you're looking through. Mm, yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And so he goes, you kind of realize life is moving through you and you stop trying to pre-plan because it's already moving through you when you think you're planning. That's a part of the predetermined nonlinear thing is to go against that perception for a while. That's a part of it. Yeah. This concept of liminality that I, so I studied architecture in college and I was very interested in this idea of liminality. And it's, it's sort of this threshold state, you know, the state between it could be like, you know, just as like the sun comes up. So it's kind of that moment between night and day. And I don't know, it's kind of a hard, hard to describe like state, but I've just been very fascinated with it. And I think when you were just talking it, that just sort of came to mind as it's almost like that middle moment between, I mean, maybe that's where you find balance or. That's where you live in pure presence. Yeah, it's like you're centered in that threshold, I guess, in that moment. And the whole game of life is to continue to stay there as much as you can in compassion when you fall out of it. That's the now. That moment between sunrise, sunset, and that instant is in a now moment. And it's staying in between the past and the future in the now that's in between the past and the future. Does that make sense? It's the sweet spot between the sunrise, sunset, or or I guess like the sunset and whatever it was like before. So like it's that, it's that in between the past and the future. That's why you love it. Mm -hmm. Or does that resonate as why you love it? Yeah, I think so. That's your organized structure, by the way, Chloe, that's your organized structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, that, that feels like sort of that peaceful meditative moment. And to answer all the other swirling questions you had opened up with, because I took notes on them, you know, when to say no, when am I being too open, or is it going to be too high, or am I going to lose the high? All of that is known in a moment-to-moment basis in that liminality space. That's in that space. The answer is known, and that's what your inner voice had said. You'll know. Mm-hmm. It's like so simple. <laughs> it is so simple. But this is what's the problem. The mind adds complexity because it's adding time to a now moment. It's adding time to an equation that doesn't need time. Because even when Eckhart says, you know, do we ever need to plan for the future? I'm sure a lot of human minds are going, wait a minute, Jess, like I've got a business and I've got a career and I've got retirement to save for, right? Because the retirement's in the future. He goes, you can plan your retirement in the now and you can put the money in the bank in the now for the future, but you're doing so now. You're not just thinking arbitrarily about the future when you're not putting the money in the bank in the now. So in the now moment, you're making the bank transfer. Make it in the now. After that, you don't have to think about your retirement until the next time it's time to put money in the bank now. But the mind is still firing on all cylinders and it's literally making up stuff to do, stuff to think about. So it's thinking about the retirement. It might take five minutes to log into your account and make the transition. Actually, usually people already have this automated. So at one moment, they automate it. Every other moment after that, unless they're going to change the course of it, which would be determined in that liminal space of now, 
you would know it was time to change course. It would become clear. You don't have to think about it overly much. Mm-hmm. Then you would do it. But any other moment you're not making that bank transfer, it's not necessary unless there is a clear knowing that it's time to change the course and change the amount you're donating or putting into it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But the mind's like, what am I going to do? It needs problems to exist in its way that it is right now. Mm-hmm. Eckhart says this is normal and it is insane. Most people are locked in their awareness and their spring is bobbling up into the head. And so this seems normal and yet it's insane. It's normal to be insane right now. And that's a very easy when you look at the whole planet. You're like, yeah, you see there's a lot of insanity in it. You're like, yeah, this is really dysfunctional. Like, why are we a species that kills itself? Like, that's a dysfunctional insanity. And the reason, because we can't emotionally handle other people's point of view. So we need to kill them. Because our emotions, we can't control. Our thoughts about those other people scare us so much. And our feelings that are created by those thoughts that are all trapped in the mind that we hurt other people thinking it's going to help ourselves. Most people, once they do that, realize that didn't actually make them feel any better. And then they end up killing themselves too because they didn't actually get the relief they were looking for by killing the other person because they can't get out of their own head just by killing another person. At a really high level, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. The insanity. But we do this with ourselves too. We punish ourselves for the thoughts we're having and the emotions we're having. And it's the... Uh, like, I don't want to do this. Oh God, why am I falling back into this? And we just shame ourselves. That's where shame is like the self-punishment of the mind. Guilt and shame is literally just punishing ourselves twice. Once for doing whatever we thought we did wrong and then for feeling wrong about it. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is you're not actually in any of this. Your mind's just afraid it's going to lose the good high. That's what's been showing up for you previous to this call. Mm-hmm. it's afraid it's going to lose it. Now let's ask that because that could be a good thing to get some clarity on. Can I lose the high I was feeling? Mm, yes. Is it okay if I lose the high? Yes. Why is it okay? Because I'd really prefer to keep it. You just, you can't always stay in that same place. Why not? Why can't I stay put in high mode? Because you, you have to have quiet moments. Quiet. So what did you hear? What are the words you heard? You could have heard that exact phrase. I just want to clarify and make sure we got the exact phrasing. You hear quiet moments? Mm-hmm. Or just still again. Still. Okay. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. You're adding more to it. It's not a bad thing. I think you're adding to the message. You're not detracting from it in any of these cases. But isn't it amazing that it's even with one word, it says the same phrase. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing, the wisdom that can be distilled so succinctly. So if we stay stuck in high, we're going to get still? No. I think what I'm sort of what my my heart is saying is in order to live in a joyful place, you like you can't always be in this constant sort of high state. Like you have to have moments of sort of stillness, you know, like you have to you have to have moments where, you know, your vibrational energy is a little bit lower and you're more calm and you're more still. And I don't know that maybe that's what I'm, I guess, kind of feeling around it. That's beautiful. Yeah, you don't even need to get like straight words. You can get a full sensory experience of something. We're using words because we're on a podcast and we're recording this so that people can hear because that's the modality we're using. But I remember some people saying, I don't 
I don't hear anything, but she was seeing bubble letters. And I was like, well, just tell us the bubble letters. Like, what are the words you're seeing? You know, in bubble letters, I don't care how you're perceiving it, but you're going to receive information in a way that you can translate into knowing. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. I mean, the answers are there. So you just have to be able to find them. Or even when you know they're there, just be able to listen to them. Make that stillness for yourself and be able to listen. Exactly. Because it comes out of the stillness. It doesn't come out of the busyness. It comes out of the emptiness. Because just like when you're listening to me, the mind is quiet. Usually, often we actually have the mind trying to talk over us in our heads. (laughs) So we're not even very good at listening. But when we're really actually listening to someone, we don't know what they're going to say. We're just open and receiving. And you're just doing the same thing, but you're doing it inside your body instead of listening to me outside your body. Mm Mm-hmm. Because your eardrums translate a vibration that's coming outside your eardrums into these words. You're doing it inside your body. You're feeling a frequency, a vibration, and you're translating it into words from inside your body. That's all that's happening. Same thing, just different place and point of view. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so where are we now? Okay, so we're going to bobble up to the head. I'm going to say, hey, Chloe Mind, how you doing? I don't feel stressed. I think I felt stressed getting on the call. And I don't, I mean, my mind feels, is doesn't have as, as much chatter. And does it even have a problem right now? No, no. I wanted to do a flash class and call it no mind, no problem. Because there's literally no problem ever. Yeah. A problem doesn't actually exist. I even heard this one, I think it was someone speaking around Byron Katie. And Byron Katie's been on the show before. She's an, I believe, an enlightened woman who works with a lot of wonderful people. And I think this is a story about her. And she had this woman that she was seeing in a hospital or at her home or something like that. And she was really sick and had a disease or of some sort. She had an illness. And the woman's like, what do you mean there's nothing wrong? Like, look at me. You know, I, I'm sick. Or I have all these things. And so she, oh, and then Byron's like, I don't see anything wrong with you. And then she's like, look at this. And then she opened her blanket. So she had like her legs covered and one leg was twice as big as the other. So the woman's like, look at this. This is obviously a problem or whatever, you know, she was holding on about. And Byron goes, oh, I see. So the problem is the thought that one leg should be the same size as the other. (laughs) It wasn't actually like, even if you say that's a problem, that's just because the mind has a thought that the state should be otherwise, which is just a thought. Mm Mm-hmm. And so all of these enlightened people that are so peaceful and chill and like zenned out are just saying like, accept what is. That doesn't mean you don't take action. It doesn't mean you don't, you know, that woman shouldn't take medication for the whatever is causing the illness that might be a part of the leg, right? But it just means that the thought that this is wrong is not serving her. Even Abraham, Abraham is all of the levels, but when they get a human in the hot seat, they're not trying to make him enlightened per se. They do talk about unconditional alignment, but they're often just, you know, helping people at the level they're at. Well, no, I mean, I feel better. And so I guess now I'm sort of thinking, okay, well, you know, what do I do now? You know, like, what does my day look like now that I'm, I'm feeling so calm? All right, let's ask that. So now that I'm feeling this way, what do I do? Inner voice? Just move forward. <laughs> Should I take actions? Slowly. How will I know what actions to take? Just listen. So you'll tell me what to do? Yes. So that's really it. I just listen to you all day. Mm-hmm. Won't I get bored? No. Why not? Just tune in. Tune in. If I tune in, I won't get bored. No. No. Will I feel better? 
Yeah. Yeah. Because you're in a heart brain coherent state. So you're in a state where your body's healing, it's regenerating, it's growing its telomeres, which are at the ends of your DNA strands so that they stay strong and you don't age as much. 1300 biochemicals are being created in your body when you're in this state. When you're in the high anxiety state of like thinking and worrying and that decoherence when you're not tuned into this part, because your heart also is sending up 40, I think it's 40 times more information. I could be wrong on that stat, but it's significantly more than what the brain is sending down. So the heart is sending up more information than the brain is sending down. So when you're in coherence with what's coming up in the brain, you're in alignment and you're feeling that and your body's in a recovery mode rather than stress mode. Stress is just a word for I'm not in a brain heart coherent state. And when I'm in that stress mode, then my body is not safe to actually work on healing itself or regenerating itself or just taking care of things because it's worried about the hunter that's coming in the woods. But there's no hunter. It's just the thought about my retirement in 30 years over and over and over and over for 30 years. It's funny. It's like as a kid, you know, it's like kids love to just like take crayons and color on a piece of paper without trying to draw something. They're just kind of running, you know, running lines and, and coloring and shapes and things. And it's almost like how in, in your adult life, how do you, I mean, I think pausing and sort of listening to the stillness is a way to kind of get there. But it makes me think like, you know, what, what would it be for me to take out a piece of paper and just spend some time coloring every morning or something, you know, just to sort of find that sort of meditative, calm sort of state, you know, before like diving into emails or diving into work or. Yes, that's beautiful. It does not need to be meditation as a five minute thing you paid headspace for. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to look like headspace. It doesn't need to look like insight timer. It doesn't need to look like anything other than stillness in the mind. Mm -hmm. It could be washing the dishes. It could be vacuuming. It could be washing your face. It could be doing your nails. It could be coloring in a coloring book. It could be drinking tea. It could be eating chocolate. It could be running. It could be anything. Yeah. And, and running is something I love. And I, and in some sense, it, it gets you kind of to that same state where you're sort of like not really thinking. You're just kind of in that moment. Maybe it's just about how do you start your day kind of in that moment, that moment of calm. And so maybe it's finding that stillness. Maybe it's going for a run. Maybe it's coloring. I, I don't know, just doing something creative where you're not really thinking about anything. I think I'm going to make that sort of a goal for myself, like start every day just in that state. And then like everything else in the day will kind of flow more naturally. And you won't just sort of start off your day sort of frantically, like I, I have to get through these emails or I have to start working on this task or, and you can kind of just find that creative kind of stillness. And actually it makes me think, I mean, I've always been so fascinated in just the creative process and, and sort of like when you're doing anything creatively, where does that inspiration really come from? And I think when you're truly living creatively, that inspiration is coming from like within you and from yourself and not from any sort of like outside images or... It's coming from this voice. It's drawing through you. Mm -hmm. This part of you is endlessly creative. Yes or no inner voice. Yes. Do you have ideas and inspiration for me that no one has ever seen before? Yes. Do you want to come through me in this way? Yes. Why? I love the why questions because the mind doesn't have the answer to the why. So it really needs to tune in. It can't just go through the motions and know the answers mm -hmm. or think the answers, right? Why do you want to do that with me? It's within. Why do you want to come through a human and why me in this way? You have a path. 
Okay, a path. So this is my path. You kind of touched on it, so let me circle back in case this is useful for you or anyone listening. So manifesting. The mind's supposed to choose, right? Yeah, okay, so your thoughts create reality. They're directing matter. It collapses the wave into a particle. It's collapsing potential into solidity over time in sustained focus. Some things are really easy, like I'm going to write my name on this name tag, and then it's done. The other is like someone had to think about the desire for name tags to exist. And that wasn't hard, but that was something that was a potential, but did not become reality until someone had that thought. And then they acted on that thought, and it came into being. Before that time that anyone had that thought that name tags should exist, name tags didn't exist in reality, but they were always in the potential of reality. Mm-hmm. So it took the potential, the wave, it's an option in like all that is in infinite options, name tags are an option. Someone had the thought that tuned into it and sustains it long enough to bring it into our reality and now they exist. There's infinite other ideas that are out there in the potential that exist as potential but haven't been brought into reality. Minds can only look at reality. So they go look at everybody else. And they go, oh, I'm going to copy that person or take inspiration from these five people, mix it up, and call it my own. Your inner being is tuned in to all of the potential realities, like name tags before they existed. And it wants to bring in new things. It doesn't just want to regurgitate and hash out and knock off five other people's ideas and call it its own. That's real creation, not regurgitation not vomiting out ideas someone else did. And I love it and I do it too, like with my decorating and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I go on Pinterest and I find a million pictures I like and I use them as inspiration to get started. But really it's just the mind knocking off other people's ideas and inspiration. It's not necessarily, it's new in that it's different because it's mine and it's in my place and there's no other place like mine. You know, like there are elements that make it unique. But true, like the things that leap our humanity and evolution forward, like I, in architecture, I always think of Gaudi. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Gaudi, at the time, especially that he came into being with those pieces and structures, there's nothing like that before. It came through him. Mm -hmm. But now, how many people knock off Gaudi and regurgitate that, right? But before that, there was nothing to give him that as a way of knocking off through Pinterest. There was no Pinterest board like that before. Yeah. It came through him. Einstein, it came through him. Tesla came through him. Well, I think as a society, we're so obsessed with existing imagery and sort of, I mean, we're just, uh, I mean, I, I think Instagram is, is like a, a blessing and a curse. It's, it's yeah, it, it's kind of like over, over yeah, it's, it's over simulation and in a kind of a visual way when, how do you turn off from that? How do you turn off of, I mean, and I think maybe this is just sort of even the root of, of what I was sort of asking, even just, it's like, how do you turn off all of this stimulation that, that exists? Bobble down, bobble down, go down. That's the question. Find the answer. I mean, you just, uh, stillness again, and that's what I hear. Yeah. It's, so I just get still and I let, do I just like let you move my pen if I'm drawing? Like, what does mm-hmm. that actually look like for me? Let's say it's in drawing because you said you said you liked coloring. Okay. So if I'm going to do this and I'm going to get still, am I going to move the pen? Mm-hmm. How will I know how to move the pen? 
This is fun. I have no idea what's going to happen right now. But this is really, have we ever thought to even ask this before? How will I know how to move the pen? Intuition. It'll, do I need to think about how the pen's going to move or what's going to come out? No, we just create. So do I have an, okay, normally when we create, let's say I'm going to draw a house as like a kid or now, like I'm going to think about what the house is going to look like. Should I think about if I'm going to draw a house, should I even think about the thing it's going to turn out to be a house? Like, do I need to think about what the drawing is going to be before it exists on the paper? Mm-mm. No, this is weird, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I know I'm going to draw? Should I even choose? No, you just draw. I just draw without thinking. Mm-hmm. But somehow I'll know how to move the pen. I won't forget that part and how to hold it. No, you won't forget. Am I going to be surprised about what comes out? Because I'm not going to even know ahead of time. Like, I'm going to make this house and it's going to have flowers in the flower boxes. You don't need to know. Why not? I thought that's what I'm here for. I thought I'm here to choose. I mean, now I'm using my mind, but I think that's the creative process. Like, if you're just kind of drawing out of nothing, you're creating out of nothing. You're listening out of nothing right now. Do you see that's the same thing? You're just using it with a pen instead of your intuition right now in your chest? Mm-hmm. It's coming out of the potential into reality. That's a far more interesting way of playing this game. Now, once we get to that enlightened state, what I think actually flips. So pre-enlightenment, it's the, you know, the, the mind, so the, the bobbling up, the spring is kind of set to the upward position into the head. And that level of mind creation exists, but it's a very low vibration because that mind also has fear in the amygdala. So it's also got this fear setting as well. So that creation, consciousness does create reality. So that spring is creating reality. It's either going to create the reality it's set to, which might be up in the head, which will be fear and the things that the mind regurgitates that it's seen other people do, Mm -hmm. or it'll... Be, if it's springing down, the creation consciousness is going to create from that empty potential space that's peaceful, loving, and wise. So that spring is what creates reality. The awareness creates reality, but where the awareness is directed, whether it's into the fearful mind that's regurgitating other people's ideas as its own, or if it's set down into the pure potential of creativity and peace and connected to eternal timeless realms reality, it's going to create from one or the other. And the mind, as it's set up before the pre-awakened state, is set upward. So the awareness is going to be creating from the mind of fear and regurgitation. But then there's become these rare humans over time that have bubbled down and filtered that through. Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, um, the Tesla. So it's not just art. It could be science too, especially even like looking at Leonardo da Vinci. So those people were able... And Rumi as a poet, like are bringing, th- I think uh, Young Pueblo here is a like a modern day example on Instagram. If you follow me, he's a beautiful writer. Uh, Diego Pueblo is his name, but Young Pueblo is his writing. Y-U-N-G Pueblo. Oh my goodness. Beautiful messages. Those are coming through the emptiness. They're listening. They're receiving, but their minds aren't the creating mechanism. They may know how to hold the pen to paper. The minds may know how to write down the equations. The minds may know how to do certain functions. But the inspiration, the pure potential that never existed before comes from this empty space. They're listening. The human mind is listening for this other part of them. And they're playing together 
to the ability that they are able to. But after we have that enlightenment where the this bobblehead kind of bobbles and kind of locks down more than it locks up, once we're in that state, the mind can still be used to form thoughts or to form reality, but it's going to be doing so from a less fearful perspective. So we can still use our minds to create reality and manifest things. It's going back to a question you asked a long time ago, which is like, should we even try to manifest things? Your intuition, your inner voice said no to that question for you. But mm-hmm. eventually, once you have had this transition and you're really allowing this other part of you to move through you, that answer might change. And it might also come from a perception of reality that's tied to this deeper place within you. And we'll have consciousness and awareness of what it wants to create and be merging into this plane. But the mind can't even understand what that might even possibly look like. Because the mind can't understand what Gaudi was going to create before he created it. Mm-hmm. Right? So we couldn't even know. How could we know that was possible before it came out? Before. For any other architect. How could they know that was possible? Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is we don't have to be permanently enlightened beings, but I do think that's what happens later is our consciousness and our mind and this integration of all of this in a proper perspective and order, you know, in the post enlightenment state, like I do think we reintegrate the mind and creation, but right now you're in a transition that's in between being stuck in this old focus that's very limited and you're opening up to the broader focus that's unlimited and then from eventually once you're in that unlimited state of being predominantly, I think we bring thought back in a bit more or we could. Mm-hmm. I actually know an enlightened woman that lives in Bali and she talked about how once she had her enlightenment experience, she then later was starting to play with um, making her hair curly, just like just playing with like the rules of reality. Like once you realize you are consciousness, you are all that is. Then you get to play and bring that level of awareness to physical creation. But before she had that, she wasn't able to like do things like stare in the mirror and change the texture of her hair. But now she's playing with those types of things, not because she needs to or because the world's deficient in any way because she doesn't have curly hair. She just felt like trying it. Mm-hmm. But before that state of being, I'm not sure she'd be able to stare in the mirror and make the hair curly. Or that she needed to, or that her inner voice would have said, this is a worthy endeavor. <laughs> like it probably wouldn't have been coming from the same space of creativity and peace. It would have had a modus operandi or whatever, you know, it could have been coming from an egoic place that would be based in a fear or a sense of limitation and lack rather than the one she was coming in after that experience. So I do think there are people that are able to become these little ninja master the Jedi's, right? I do think it could become the Jedi master and really change physical reality in ways that humans at a lower vibration and perception can't because they're not in that. But there's so few humans that have been there. It's not largely documented. We're just in a young state. But I think that's going to become more and more prevalently known over time. Mm-hmm. Like more of a collective consciousness. Yeah, I think it'll be more publicized about people doing, I mean, there are, you can find a lot of fascinating things on YouTube. Some of them may be genuinely 100% authentic and real and mind bending in every way, and others might be fakes. So it's kind of hard, you know, to know where is this actually 
real and how is this sometimes just a hoax. But I believe there's going to be genuine miracles. There, I believe there's always been genuine miracles. And then often society has now said, oh, those are just stories or those are just those were metaphors or analogies. They weren't real. But some of them might have been and some of them might have been metaphors. And it's cool now that we have ways to document things more. That could be. I don't. This is all just me in the mind projecting. But either way, I believe that the highest creation and manifestations you can make at the pre-enlightened state in the place you're at because your inner voice said to not try to manifest, that's what to follow. Yeah. And other people that think they can't even create the reality because they're in the stage of victimhood, it would really serve them in the pre-enlightened state to learn that they can manifest things with their mind, right? It's going to serve them to get out of, oh, this always happens to me. Why is this happening to me? I didn't choose this. I can't create this. Why me? You know, that pitiful point of view could benefit from understanding it's creating reality. And so that inner voice may say yes to creating in a pre-awakened state. And it might say, yes, you can go Pinterest of dream home and make a dream home based on Pinterest pictures, right? Yours is now telling you from where you're at that the next stage for you is to not go on Pinterest, as an example in this case, and to just show up with an empty mind and stillness and create. And then later, it may tell you, all right, now let's make your hair curly watch. If you want to make your hair curly, go do it with your mind. So it's all about honoring where we're at with our inner voices alignment now. Mm-hmm. But the answer might change from yes to no to yes to no to yes to no in infinite ways over the course of our evolution and expansion. So it's just where are you expanding next? You're expanding beyond the mind. Other people might need to expand a bit more into the mind to get out of it. I love how calm you're. You're really in that calm state, aren't you? Yeah. No, I'm just kind of taking it all in. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? How does it feel to just be in that state? It feels good. Yeah. It just feels really peaceful. And yeah, just I, I like I'm not I'm just not concerned or stressed or <laughs> yeah, it feels good. I think I'm well, I am finding myself kind of thinking, okay, when I get off this call, what's going to happen? Okay. Ask. Bobble down. What's going to happen when we get off the call? I mean, I think I'm I'm just like thinking of my like to do list. Oh, there we go. Here we go. Question. Inner voice. What should I do with that to do list? Move through slowly or just not get overwhelmed by it. Do I need to have a to do list? I guess not. <laughs> should I have a to do list? The only shoulds you should ever direct, by the way, I hate shoulds because when the ego's using it, it's just punishing itself with the shoulds that aren't true. The only time I like using should in a, any context is to the inner voice. Because you're actually getting guidance from the most only author of truth for you. So we're asking there. Should I have a to-do list? No. No. Okay. Because it could have said yes. There is no right or wrong, especially in that kind of answer. It's just what's right for you. Okay. I shouldn't. Why not? You know it needs to be done. Shouldn't I write that down? I guess I heard yes. But, okay, do, do okay. do I write so I can write it down, but it doesn't need to be a to do list? Mm-hmm. What? Okay, so now this is just semantics. It seems right, but there's something about a to do list that's not necessary, even though writing it down is fine. What's missing? What do I need to let go of in terms of it being a to do list, even though I'm going to write it down? 
checking off of things or? I don't need to check things off. Mm -mm. Is there any other element of the to-do list that's causing more stress than you care about? I think it's more just the idea of getting a certain amount of things accomplished kind of like every day from my to-do list. (laughs) Um, But that's, you know, that's my mind sort of. So I need to let go of productivity. Mm -hmm. Yes. There we go. So you can write things down. It's just there. It's not for anything, for a feeling of accomplishment or a sense of achievement, because that is shooting on yourself through the list. That's the ego shooting. I should get all this done. I should be productive. I should, I should, I should. The only should you needed to ask was, should I even have this list in the beginning? (laughs) And it said, no, not in the way you have before. But it's not against you writing things. It's the concept the mind attaches to that to-do list that's not necessary. And what it's telling you is just do what's in front of you in the liminal space. In this space, this is the thing to do. I can tell you it's very possible to do this. I have, I live this way. So as an example, just so your mind isn't like, no one does this. I'm so weird. No, I do it. I just do what's right in the moment. And I don't even think about it. Sometimes I will write things down, but it's just like, like, or your inner voice said, I'm not to doing it all over myself. I'm not shooting all over myself because of it. It's just stuff that's like there to capture the thought. But then I only even look at that list when that feels intuitively right to do so. Or I haven't even really looked at my inbox yet today. I did other things that felt aligning in those moments in time. And perhaps it'll become the moment to look at it after this. But I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on talking with you right now. Yeah. Like you don't create that pressure for yourself. Maybe that's one of the things that I think, you know, you you do such a good job, um, at least what what people can kind of understand through the podcast of, of um, you know, creating this alignment in your life before taking action um, and creating this stillness or this kind of feeling before you do anything. I I guess I know how to maintain it because of what we've gone through. Right there. What happened? The mind just asked, how do I add time to this? When the answer is you do it in the present moment, it just said, how do I do this forever? How do I do this in the future? Which is more than one moment at a time, which is impossible. So you never can. The answer to that is you can never maintain it. You only do it now or not now, now or not now, now or not now. Like you cannot run a marathon. You can't run a marathon. You can only take one step at a time, 26.2 miles. But you can't run a marathon all at once in one moment. You can only take one step at one moment. So when people go, I can't go any further, that's true because you can't take eight miles in one step. But if you just say, I'm going to focus on this step and then the next one and the next one and you continue in the now to keep taking steps, eventually you'll cover the last eight miles. But if you try in one moment to say, can I do the next eight miles right now? Right now, no. Right now, can you maintain it? No, you can only do it now or not now. And it doesn't need to be a perfect string of unbroken nows either. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. When you sit down and think about what's next for Just Lively and, you know, just sort of these sort of bigger ideas for your business and stuff. I mean, do you do you just feel like, it sort of comes to you all of a sudden and you're like, you kind of know the next thing that you need to do. I mean, I I generally work that way. Like, do you ever get overwhelmed from like 
sort of a t- like a, a to do list every day. Or- I never get overwhelmed by a to do list. But I'm like amazed how you've like worked past that. And maybe it's just how you've sort of kind of created like designed your life, you know, and kind of the way that you're working. You know what it is? I don't see my work as a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why do I need to solve it? Isn't that interesting? I think that might be for the people that tend to stress around work. I don't see it as a problem. So I don't need to solve anything. I enjoy talking about it. Let's say I'm in an Uber or, okay, let's give you an example. The TV show. So Pittsburgh, January 19th, filming four episodes. I think it'll be four. I think, right? I don't know. But I like that. that's like the mind's like target, which sounds good. So two in the morning, two in the afternoon. We're going to do it. Tickets have almost already sold out entirely now, which is great. Yeah, that's exciting. I, well, I can't wait to see it too. Yeah, I'm so pumped. And at the same time, I can't tell you what the episodes are going to be about yet. You know why? Because it's December 7th right now as we're recording this. And that's a January 19th. Like, why on earth do I need to know right now, even though we've already sold the tickets? <laughs> why do I need to know? Why is it any of my mind's business? I don't need to do it right now. Does that mean I'm just going to stand in front of the microphone and have no idea? No. What ended up flowing, I knew I didn't need to think about it because it wasn't time. I knew that much. I was in tune enough to know it wasn't time to think about it. But then we're recording a lively adventure year two this weekend. And as Flo would have it, it works out perfectly for Megan, the videographer, who's the director of the TV show, who Mm -hmm. also is my interview person. She's my host of A Lively Adventure. So she and I have fun chatting through my year as like a memoir style thing. We have fun together and she's coming. Normally did this on Skype last year together, but this time, because there's a podcast room in Detroit that we like, we're going to do it here. And while we do it, there's this other guy who's new to our team, Clay. Clay is awesome and works as a sound engineer. So he's going to be the sound engineer. But I look at both of them as also producing beings. I look at them in their points of view and points of creativity, not just like in videography and in sound, but in concept and conceptualization. I'm excited because he's going to come do the recording sound audio for the Lively Adventure, and then we're going to go to lunch after both of them, it seems. It seems like we'll go to lunch. He's coming tomorrow, and we'll do it Sunday and Monday. So in those lunches, I'm excited in the present moment to talk with them and give them anything that my mind or inner voice at that moment has coming up about it and watch what unfolds in those conversations. And I trust that out of those conversations and anything else that flows between now and January 19th, we're going to have the perfect things that need to come through, come through. But right now is not my time to brainstorm. It's not the time to think actively about it. I don't need to put on my to-do list, brainstorm ideas for the show, and then sit down and go in my head, all right. What does my head have to do? Let me regurgitate everything I've ever seen before and five other people's shows and twist them together. You know what I mean? Like that'd be just like Pinterest boards. Like that would be just regurgitating other inspiration. I trust that in the now moment of our three souls coming together, what will need to be covered in those two days will be covered in those two days. And any other thing will come when it needs to come between then and the show. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've, you've got a good team and, and you, you know, like everybody sort of has their, their task. I mean, I think right now, maybe in my life, I'm, I'm trying to hold on to too much for myself and not, you know, like not delegating enough, maybe. 
All right. Okay. What you just said was a question. What is the answer to your question? What do you do about that question? No, I, I asked myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Okay. Ask it right now. Do it. Why don't do you? I, you do yeah, I need to delegate Here more. we go. Here, here we go. I'm going to let you now. Um, we're going to call it freestyling. Okay. I would love for you to model for us in this experience so you can get the recording and also for anyone listening. Do this yourself. So here's a topic the mind has. Do I need to delegate more? If so, who, when, how, whatever the questions are, right? Do it out loud right now between. Go back and forth and answer and ask your own questions. You don't need me to be the person. Okay, so do it. Say it all out loud and do 10 questions or roughly. You don't have to count 10, but like I want you to do a little back and forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you need to delegate? I would say tasks for an upcoming event. No, wait. I want you to go. Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm asking you to ask from the mind to the intuition and back and forth about all this stuff. But I want you to do it instead of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like writing a letter to yourself, to your own like letters to your intuition, but I want you to do it verbally right now. Um, I, I guess, yeah, what, I guess my question would be, um, do you need to delegate? What do you um, hear? Yes. Okay. What's your next question? Maybe. What's the, the mind gets to ask the next question. The, the mind has millions of questions. So what's the next question? It has, it needs to delegate. Yeah, like what tasks do you need to delegate? Perfect. What do you hear? I guess I'm hearing like things things that I don't need to focus on. Okay. Or, What's um, the next question the mind has? Do you want a hint? I'll do it. I, I think I need to like write it out or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do I not need to focus on? How does the mind even know what that is? What do I not need to focus on that I should delegate? The things that don't bring me joy. Okay. What's the next question the mind can ask? What brings you joy? Yeah, yes, yes. What do you hear? Concepts, ideas. Okay, that's the stuff you need to do? Concepts, ideas? Okay. What's your next question in the mind? You're really figure skating now. You're not just going in loops. You're making a triple toe loop. You're doing it. So you delegate everything, everything else. And I guess I hear yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's great. (laughs) What is the next question the mind has? So what does that look like? Or how do you do you do that? I guess I'm hearing just ask people, <laughs> listening intuitively around the people that that can help or that I can uh, I can ask for help. Yeah. Do you know what people to ask for help? Mm-hmm. So we already know that. So we don't have to ask that question because you could if you needed to. Yeah. No. This. I mean, this is really helpful. Like, how will I find the people to help me? My mind would ask that. Just you know, think about the community that you have, the, the network of people, and maybe... Is that what you heard? Mm, I, yeah, I think so. Ask this. What did I hear? Contacts. There you go. It slowed it back down, right? It was getting too fast, and it was like losing the rails. Contacts. All right. Are there any other questions? Or is the mind tapped out on that subject? Problem solved. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I feel better. Yeah. That's a good exercise, though, to just sort of kind of play both sides rather than, you know, feeling like, like I have, you know, I have to wait for you to ask me the questions. I think that's a good. That, I mean, that's what I'm suggesting everyone do the rest of their lives. That's what I'm doing in my head every darn day. <laughs> 
And then I give myself so much compassion when I'm like, ah, it's so hard. Or, or I'm doing this again. Like, it's still this hard. Compassion. Of course it is. Of course the mind is still blocked up, this locking up and identifying with the awareness as itself. I mean, I think I sort of solved, like, the thing I'm stressed about is, it's you know, I feel like I, starting this call, I was overwhelmed with kind of tasks and to-dos. And then I, you know, you helped me kind of slow my mind down to that sort of inner voice. And now I feel like I've, I've kind of solved it. And I know that I need to reach out to people to support and to help and delegate. So it feels clear. The best thing I can say around that too, that you said, that oh, sounds like you have a good team. You know what? Why? Because I find people that are in alignment with being in those roles and that their intuition wants to be in that role. I don't have fear around that very much. Like it might have some fear, but I'm not going to, it's not going to derail me by any means, you know, like, oh, if they didn't, like, that would be a bummer if someone didn't want to stay in the team, if they're a great fit. But I trust that the next person is ready and called and able to do it and they'll flow in. I only want people to be there in alignment. Yeah. And I, and it's funny because I, I really feel like a lot of people have flowed into my life and I think it's just, maybe I'm allowing like these, these blocks in my mind of like, like almost feeling like I have to do everything. I think I just am realizing like I need to just ask for help and just, and like sort of help people use the gifts and talents that they have rather than just putting too much pressure on myself. Done. Yeah. (laughs) It's the mind taking on more than it needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because it had a thought based on mind consciousness of humanity right now that others share as well. Just holding on to a belief pattern that didn't serve it. Mm -hmm. This is normal and it's insane. (laughs) Yeah, but I I, I appreciate your point that it's like you don't even let yourself feel overwhelmed because the minute you have a thought, you just you feel the the compassion for it. And then you you don't get to that point of overwhelm or or feeling like you have. Or if I do get to overwhelm, but for me, it's more on the relationship side that could be triggering not the not the career the career i'm like let that baby go i have like very little grip on that like i'm excited for the tv show on january 19th 10 years to the day of the blog post that i first wrote to get a tv show like i find it fascinating but here's the truth it'll either be the most fun day i got to play tv show host like i always wanted to since college and that'll be one day that i got to do that or it could become the trajectory of who knows what either way my mind isn't attached to either outcome. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, when the partnership with the person I was just with isn't continuing in the same way right now, I can only say right now, because really there's actually no problem and there's not even a problem in my mind. But I also have to love and respect that everyone's allowed to feel and think and be where they are and know that that's fine. But the mind was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to drag me all the way across the world and then give me this perfect person for a month and then you know, we realize we're going to have to grow and we can't just stay stagnantly, perfectly aligned because like that's inevitable that things will grow. And I recognize and see that, but like, you know, I can't force anything else in another person. And now I just got to accept that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they're, that the fear in them is just like a little bit too, it's not even about me or us, but it's just an old thing. And I had fear too, but I was like, oh, this is something I need to clear from my past because it wasn't about us either. Mm-hmm. but I can't control the other person. I just need to love them where they are in the mind. And now I get to be alone in this empty place and I have to like reconsider everything I thought this might be. The mind had like kind of thought it had a conclusion of what this next chapter was going to be like. 
And now, like a week and a half in, it was like, oh, new plan. But I don't know what the plan is. The mind doesn't. I just know that my soul wouldn't be here. And I thought I had an idea in the mind about what that plan was. And now it looks very different, potentially. Or maybe it'll all come back together because really there's no problem and there's just fear and that's okay. I don't know. Of course the mind got overwhelmed. Yeah, like it's like you're you're wanting to make that relationship or whatever, you know, work or yeah. Mm-hmm. Same same way that I'm trying to, you know, I want to be in control of all these things I'm trying to do. Yes. Here's a weird observation. I don't know the poll on this, but I've noticed, and I don't know if this is, I don't think this is like, I don't think anything is maybe universally true, but there's a kind of a trend I've, I've observed. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about what kind of relationship love did you crave the most in your parents? And I tend to find, it's like a generalization for sure, and I don't think everyone follows this, but the trend I observe is that if you wanted, uh, craved the love of the opposite sex parent, you tend to focus and your mind tries to control in relationships. And if you wanted and crave the love of the same sex parent, or I guess let's say like the the polarity you're into, I guess if maybe you're homosexual or bisexual, it might be different in those kind of cases. I don't know exactly. But if you are in a heterosexual relationship, the opposite sex parent, if that's what you craved, you, you tend to struggle and stress and mind control relationship as a part of your life. And the opposite, if you are, you know, striving for that same sex parent, then you then you focus on career. Mm, interesting. Is that true for you? If you look back? I don't I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've struggled with both though. I think today I'm just not talking about my, you know, relationship stuff. But yeah, but I think that I'll have to think about that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I don't like, I don't think it really does too much to serve us other than, oh, isn't that interesting? We don't need to make a huge story around it. But for me, and I used to use, my mind used to, when I was in long-term relationships in my 20s, it used to use work as its validating factor, not partnership. And then I learned to let that go. And then it switched over once I was single to partnership. And it used to also fixate on like body image, but that was for relationship. That was for acceptance and approval. Well, yeah. And I think for me, it's, I put so much worth or, you know, I've, I've kind of convinced myself that so much of my worth is wrapped up into like career or, or just like kind of like what I do with my life. And, and it, yeah, and it, and it doesn't need to be, I mean, you don't, it doesn't need to have that weight to it. And, you know, everybody has worth regardless of if they're in a relationship or if they're in, you know, this great career, it's, I think that's for another time. <laughs> That's the the core of the the whole purpose here, I think, is for us to realize that, yeah, we don't, the human doesn't have to try so hard. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's a great way of ending this session. A human doesn't have to try so hard, but it's trying because that's what the mind does. It's a trying mechanism. And the interesting thing, like I actually share with you, I heard like 300 times, don't try, don't try. And I was like, okay, finally, like, what is trying? Determining the outcome. Mm-hmm. The mind does not need to determine the outcome. And even if it does determine the outcome, it doesn't mean it's going to happen because it may have more resistance to not having the outcome. And thus, law of attraction kicks in and brings not the outcome because that's what they're focused on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah, I feel sort of renewed and I just, I feel better. I feel more calm. I feel like um, I don't have to control every little thing, but I can um, I can start kind of delegating more things and, and then just trying to find kind of this 
inner voice earlier in my day, maybe where, uh, where it kind of guides me and instead of just letting my mind run my day to day. Sounds like an organized structure to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an organized structure in the liminal space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So you're going to be able to execute and you're going to be able to channel in what wants to come forth through you. Yes. How good is that? Yeah, no, it feels good. It feels good. Oh, well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And there you have it. Chloe, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for listening. If you want to send Chloe a message, you can do so over on Instagram at design and digest. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in Christmas lively. And for show notes for this episode, you can head over to JessLively.com slash Chloe C S until next week. May something wonderful happen to you today. Oh,